I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away in the morning. Does that help you? It's awkward. That's so funny. Isn't it funny how we get used to things and then when we don't have it, it's like, I don't, I'm not even going to give today. This is wrong, right? Just going just gonna to put it back in my pocket. Can't give without singing. Um, anyway, we're funny creatures. Um, as, you're, as you're giving and, um, and all that, I just, I just want to, I'll, I'll get started. I, I, I know I don't say this enough, but I am absolutely floored at this church. And I was talking about this last week. I was saying, you guys are weird. But, you know, I was talking to Dottie Welsh afterwards, and she was like, you know, it's actually, that word you use, weird, is actually a scriptural word. She said, um, it's actually that you are a peculiar people. And in your giving and in your living, it shows how peculiar you are. So isn't that interesting that God has actually called us to be weird? That God's called us to be peculiar, to stand out, to be different, to not be like the world around us, but to even in, 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 in the words we speak, the way that we live, um, that, that we should be different. And I was, I, I was watching that whole 2019 recap, and then if you were here last week, you saw the 2019 missions recap. I mean, I'm like, this is such a peculiar people. I am absolutely amazed, and I know I don't say this enough, but you're an amazing church to pastor. This has been like almost, almost three years as, as the lead pastor here at New Life. And I truly believe, and maybe, I don't know, I still got rose-colored glasses on, but I truly believe that you're the best local church around. Like, I'm, I'm amazed at this place. And today's Vision Sunday, and so I just, I think it's important during seasons like this to take a step back, to pause, to reflect on what it is that God has done, what he's currently doing in our midst, and what we believe he's wanting to do in us and through us. And so that's kind of what we're going to do here at Vision Sunday. It's going to be a little bit different than, than normal. Um, I'm going to be bringing out some scripture and all that, but I really wa- I've got a lot of things to communicate. I'm really excited about some changes and things that, that you already are aware of, but some explanation of things that you may not be. So if you made it through our doors and you got one of these, I want you to take it out. It's our 2019 annual report. There are all kind of like at each one of those um, stanchions. If maybe you're over there and you, you want to get one, feel free to stand up and go grab one real quick. Um, this is our 2019 annual report. If you don't have it or you dislike paper, um, then you can go to nlc.today on your phone, which is like a hub of information. Go over to the giving card. And then the first button will say annual report, and it'll be this in a digital form so you can take a look at it. We'll keep it up for a long time so that you can, even later on, if you want to go back and look at it, you can see it. So on our giving card at nlc.today, our annual report. I just want to take a moment. You can read this for yourself, and I, and I know that you can. I just want to celebrate a few of these things and to go down through them um, because they're, they're astounding. The first one is this one right here. It says 66% of our average adult attendance is in life groups, 66%. And some of you are like, I don't know, is that good? Is that bad? What is that, right? 66%. Here, here's the reality. There are churches all around here that would absolutely love as a high watermark to get to 66%. If they had over 50% of people that are involved in something other than a Sunday morning experience and involved in a life group or a Sunday school class or something that they were attending, that they were involved in, in the life and the family of the church, that would be a high watermark for them. And I just, I just want to encourage you, we're consistently in like the high 60% um, range each and every single year of, of your involvement outside of just coming to church on a Sunday. That's absolutely awesome. Um, the second one is this, uh, 352 Sunday volunteers. <laughs> um, now, you'll notice that it's even crazier that you look over here and we have 623 in average worship attendance and yet 352 Sunday volunteers. Now you're like, wait a minute, that can't be right. Well, the reality is, is that even with 623 average like, well, I, I joke around, I say but, butts and seat account, accounts, the 623. If everybody was here, we'd probably have about 1,000 people that, that call New Life Church their home. But given, like, current, like, attendance patterns and stuff like that, 
we see on average 623 people here every week um, and that goes you know up and down throughout the year all that kind of stuff um, but 352 people at, you know serving in some sort of a ministry here these are people that um, are involved in our, our new life kids volunteers and ushers and security our hospitality team you may even be serving right right now these are our cafe workers these are the volunteers who come in every single monday and clean this whole place you're like wait we don't have a cleaning team we don't have a cleaning service to clean this huge building no it's cleaned by volunteers that come in here um, on mondays and 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 clean up all of all of your your stuff laying around here um, and order all these chairs and vacuum and all that kind of stuff these are people everything in between 352 people um, that that make this church not just a good church but a great church can we just give a round of applause for that it's that's peculiar that's peculiar it, it, it's weird it, it doesn't it doesn't make much sense um, the other thing is we tithe as as a church off of our weekly offering so when when money comes in you know as we as we collect through our through our weekly offering we allocate 10% or we tithe uh, to our to missions and outreach that that gets allocated right off the top and is invested into um, outreach locally and and beyond into world missions and so we tithe right right away into that but here's the thing you all are peculiar givers as well because you give specifically and in a designated way to missions above and beyond what we are already taking 10% and putting towards so you'll see this right down here $238,126 went through our hands last year to go to missions almost a quarter of a million dollars was actually designated and went through our hands to go into world missions and beyond. Can we just give a round of applause for that? I mean, it's crazy. That's, it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't add up. It doesn't, it doesn't even make sense. We continue to grow uh, numerically each and every single year. Um, last weekend, you know, you can see our average week worship attendance is 623, but, but that's over the course of 2019. We've been growing pretty steady even over the past few months even just last week we had 703 people here at new life um and so all in all i just honestly as i look through this it is just a point of celebration that i have the opportunity that you would even trust me to to lead you i i thank you for your loyalty for your dedication to this church to this house to to our staff to our board to the leadership here at new life church i believe that not only are our best days ahead of us, but I believe this is the best local church on the planet. And so, can we just give a round of applause? I love you. This, this stuff just kind, of, just kind of blows me away. So, if, uh, if you're interested in that, you can, you can pick one of those things up. Also, I want to tell you about a couple current changes that you may have noticed around here. Um, if you're very unobservant, maybe you haven't noticed it at all. But um, most of the things you've seen... If you take out your bulletins this morning, you'll see on the back for the sermon notes, it, it kind of help you because you get a little bit of a visual to, to kind of go through this. Um, in November, we had an annual Cultivate celebration, which we had like, I don't know, I think there were like 400 people that came out. If you serve in any capacity here at New Life, we just have a huge celebration. It was on, the, on that video where I was dressed up as like King Arthur. We had a Knights of the Round Table craziness, and it was, it was absolutely epic. But at that celebration in November, we unveiled our new logo. And um, just to kind of like give you a little bit of a, a, a background here, in any, in any church this happens, is that we had created over the years variations of our logo. And uh, so we had like uh, the original New Life logo and then a simplified version of the logo and a different version of the logo. And then we had different variations of, of our, our different students ministry, which we called JAG. And then we had our Kids Zone and our Jumpstart. And we had all these different types of names. Now here's the, here's the reality. You may be like, well, yeah, Jumpstart. I, I know Jumpstart. Jumpstart, yeah, it's, it's for our, our birth through kindergarten. Duh. Like, that should be normal. Now, here's the thing. If you're new to New Life Church, you don't know what Jumpstart is. You don't know what Kids Zone is. You don't even know what JAG is. Do you know what JAG stands for? 
<laughs> I do, because I was a youth pastor. Jesus activated generations. Did anyone know that? Good job, four of you, right? So here's the thing. We, we were like in this place where we're like, okay, we've got to really start streamlining and, and kind of like hone in and rebrand and simplify some things in here so that it's a little more easy to, to understand. And so we spent upwards of almost like six to nine months um, with, with one of our uh, graphic designers that we hired to, to brand a logo that was simple and iconic and yet adaptable for all of the ministries here at New Life. And so uh, go ahead and put it up there. I just, if you've seen it around, you've seen it probably on the piece of paper, obviously, that you're holding. But it's online. You just most recently saw it on the sign out front. And I just wanted to kind of go over and let you know about some of the elements, about why we strategically and intentionally chose some of the elements that are involved in here. So um, the first one is that, you'll, that you'll notice is that that leaf is shaped kind of weird. It's not like a regular leaf that you see in nature shaped in a circle, right? So that circle actually represents the globe. It represents the world. And uh, it's part of what one of our core values is that, you know, we would do anything short of sin to reach those who don't know Christ. Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That this, this belief that has been at the, at the epicenter and at the, 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 the birth of New Life Church is that we would be an agent of hope to our community and beyond, that we are a local church with global, with global impact. Amen? We just see that in just the giving, that like $238,000 given to World Missions. You see that when you walk in here and you see all of these flags. And so um, you see that with, you know, Pastor Jeff over, over in Russia right now, tending to his friend whose, whose daughter is, is, was in that car accident that we prayed for. Just to let, give you a little bit of an update, she's, they've now taken her off the medication that, was, that had her in a, an induced coma, and they're just waiting now to see kind of where things are at. So we just continue praying for Annabella and, uh, and that whole Dariyanko family in Russia. We really, really appreciate that. But this is a part of, of, of who we are, and it's a, the heartbeat of one of our core values. Um, God did not give us a small commission. He gave us a great one, didn't he? And so that's part, of, that's part of who we are. And our old logo had the globe in there, and so we just brought in a more simplified version of that um, so that it's a little more iconic. Um, the next element that you'll notice is the leaf itself that's kind of wrapped in that globe. Those are kind of the, the veins of a leaf. Since the name of our church is New Life, church, we thought, hey, it'd be kind of cool for us to actually um, have something, a symbol in, that's a part of our logo that illustrates upward movement, upward growth, and new life in Christ, right? Because, what does it say in John 10, 10? Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly, because we believe that healthy things grow. We believe that that, that we don't just measure fullness and growth by, by church attendance or by spiritual disciplines, but by overflowing. It's, it's how we overflow, how Jesus in us lives his life through us. That's how we know that we're growing. That, so we don't just want to grow in numbers. We want to grow in health. We don't want to just grow in giftings. We want to grow in fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Like Those are the things that we want to grow in as well. So that's, that's, that's the whole significance behind the leaf. And the third part is this, the lowercase font. You'd be like, okay, uh, it, it used to be kind of like a Times New Roman uppercase font. We strategically went with a lowercase font because we wanted it to have a feel of accessibility. That like, it's part of who we are as a church-like family, that when you're here, you're family, right? When you, when you come in through these doors, we want you to, to realize that, that you're a part of something bigger than, than just yourself, that God is building a family. And in a healthy family, every member has value. And in a healthy family, everyone has a seat at the table. In other words, there's no kid's table at New Life Church. There's no like, hey, it's so great that you're here. You can go sit in that other room at that little pullout card table, right? Like, this is like God is building a family. And I love how he says it in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. He says, you belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone, God is building a home and he's using us all. That we're a part of something bigger. So 
Here's a couple variations of the logo. You've probably seen them around. This is our New Life Kids logo. You've seen it on maybe some t-shirts. If you're a part of our New Life Kids ministry, then you get a free t-shirt. And I know, I know that Melissa would love to give you a free t-shirt. So if you're looking for a ministry or you're just looking for a free t-shirt, She'd love to talk with you today. Okay, secondly, uh, this is our New Life 5th and 6th. We kind of broke off our 5th and 6th graders, and they, they have their own class right now. Um, and they, they, you just kind of, they're all sitting in that back. And then uh, we also have New Life students. All of them right now are at Blueberry Mountain being ministered to. I got a text from, from Pastor Steve this morning. He's like, wow, God is so moving in this place. He goes, 11 o'clock, it's what, 11, 11. 11 o'clock is, is going to be our last session that we're going to be um, having worship and prayer. So if you guys be praying for them during this service, that'd be awesome. They got like 40 youth that are there getting ministered to. I want to thank you for those of you who came alongside and said, you know what, I'm going to sponsor a kid to be able to go on that trip. Because how many of you know that sometimes it's those weekends away, it's those retreats away, or those summer camps where you met Jesus for the first time in your life, and it began a journey of finding out what that means to follow him your entire life. So be praying for those kids, because two of them are mine. <laughs> And I want them to follow Christ. Amen? Amen. So those are, those are just kind of some, some variations. But here's the thing. Our, our new logo, it's intentional, it's simple, and it's iconic. And as you leave today, this will make you excited. As you leave today, we're going to have all of our uh, ushers handing out these new stickers. Oh, yeah. People don't put them on bumpers anymore. It's not cool. So you put them on the back window of your car. I would love if you would choose to put one of these on your back window, um, and, they're, and they're free. I knew that. They're free. And actually, it says top on them so that you'll know how to put it on. There's actually directions on how to put them on because there's a lot of these newfangled stickers have stickers on stickers on stickers to get them on. So anyway, love for you to do that. Um, it, may, it may cause you to have some really great conversations, like what's up with the leaf, and uh, it may cause you to drive better. I'm just going to say so, I'm just saying, like, you're representing more than just you and your bad self trying to get to work in the morning, okay? So, so grab one of these. Maybe you got a husband or wife at home, whatever. Grab two um, and, and, and make sure you, you, you put one of these on your car. That'd be, that'd be awesome. So, anyway, that's, that's cool. All right, let's slow down for a second and let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the opportunity that we get to just pause and reflect on what it is that you're doing in our midst. I think that sometimes I know I can get into a place where I get so busy doing that I don't see you. I get so busy trying to keep up with the pace that I'm setting that I don't necessarily sit back and reflect on the awesome, the awesome stuff that you're doing in our midst. And so as we look back on 2019, and see all the things that happened. And we look currently at where you're at, where we're at as a church. May we never fail to see you in our midst. God, help me to get out of the way sometimes to be able to allow you to do what you do. God, we thank you for showing up, showing up in the lives of our families, showing up in our lives. We don't take it for granted. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Um, there's a scripture that God's been bringing up to me. I cannot get away from it. And I think it's because, you know how sometimes you read it in different translations or paraphrases, and it's like, whoa, never seen that before. It comes out differently. It's Psalm chapter 29, verse 18, and it's written in the message paraphrase. It'll be up here on the screens if you don't have that version. And, and, and I, can't, I can't get away from it. Look what it says. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to or pay attention to what he reveals, they are most blessed. <laughs> like, what if, what, if we, what if I really truly got a hold of that scripture that, that I wouldn't miss what it is that God is doing in and around me, in my midst, what if some of the reasons why I find myself falling all over myself is because I'm failing to pause to simply reflect, to simply look up and to see what he's revealing 
and what he's doing in our midst. Because most of us today, if you're here today, most of us today have the ability of sight. It's one of the senses, right? We have the ability to be able to see. Now, that ability is to some degree or another. Some of us have like 20-20 vision. Some of us don't. Some of us, you know, um, that's why some of us have contact lenses or glasses, bifocals, trifocals, uh, reading glasses. You have, maybe had LASIK surgery. Because our problem isn't necessarily that we don't have the gift of sight. Our problems arise when we can't focus on what we need to focus on, right? So you, you, you can see, but the, the reality is if you're wearing glasses or you need glasses or contacts, it isn't that you're blind, it's that you can't focus on what you need to focus on. You can't see the things that are in front of you, you can't see the things that are out here, you can only, you can't focus on the things that you need to focus on that are, that are maybe right, right in front of you. And I love this scripture because it reminds me that I can have the, the, the gift of vision, of sight, and yet not be focusing correctly. Like, God can be doing things in my midst and all around me, and yet I can miss it if I'm not actually focusing on what it is that he's doing. I can have sight and yet be, not, not be focused on what he is. Helen Keller said this. She said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. And Jesus would say things like this. He would use senses. He would say, whoever has ears, let them hear, right? He would even almost say things like, you know, if it, whoever can see, let them, let them see. Like, if you have eyes, I, I pray that you would see. He says this in Matthew 13. He's explaining why he speaks in parables. He says, this is why I speak in parables. That's how I know he's explaining why he speaks in parables. This is why I speak in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's hearts have become calloused. Do you see that? Like your heart can actually become calloused when you're not seeing what God is doing. Or when you're not hearing what God is saying. And he says, and they, they hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might turn, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Isn't that cool? Like, did you know that God can be doing things in our midst and you miss it? Like, have you ever been in a place where, like, you're in worship, maybe even today, and you're like, I don't know, you gotta get some stuff in your mind, you got some things going on, the person next to you is, like, all out doing jumping jacks, cartwheels and praising Jesus and you're like meh like God's doing something and she's crying and you're like man I don't you're just poking yourself in the eye to get some tears you know what I mean like that's the only thing you're I, I don't understand like God's doing something here because I'm hearing things and I'm watching things and yet I feel dead inside like I feel like I just don't even I, I'm not I'm not in touch with the same thing that that these other people are in touch with and I'm I, I'm kind of find myself I find myself struggling in this you ever feel like that? <laughs> How many of you guys wear, wear glasses or contacts? Anybody? Uh, glasses or contacts? Now, keep your hands up here for a second because I need to say this because first service tried this too. If you have reading glasses, that counts. Raise your hand. Yeah, okay now. Because you're all like, oh, I don't wear glasses. I've got 20-20 vision. You just have reading glasses in every drawer of your house. I understand. Okay. Um, now, here's the thing. You guys are pretty much blind as the first service. Like, ridiculous. Like, uh, probably 85, 90% of you raise your hands. Because the reality is, is that you're, and all of you can see to some degree, but the problem is, is that you're not able to, to focus necessarily on what you're, you're wanting to focus on. And so what do we do? We, we try to compensate. We squint. You try to squint. You know, I can't see too well. I'm going to squint. Or you, uh, you blame that you can't read a book on the fact that your arms are too short. Like, this is what I find. I haven't hit this yet, but I probably will here in the next few years. Where you start up, you're reading like this, and then as you get older, you, get a, you have to get further away, and you blame the fact that you can't read on your T-Rex arms, right? <laughs> like, if I had longer arms, I could read this fine. 
not that I have eye problem, I got an arm problem. It's not long enough. My arms are getting too short, right? But the reality is, is that there's something going on that you're not able to focus on the things that are, you're needing to focus on. So, initially, here's what I know. All of you that raised your hands, the majority of you did not diagnose yourself with having a vision problem. <laughs> you had a nurse that you went down for your annual vision thing, and she's like, you're blind. I'm like, I am? Right? You didn't realize it. You had a family member. You had a mom or a dad, or you had a sibling that showed, pointed out and said, you should be able to see this, but you don't see it. Because why? We don't know what we don't see. We can't, we, we, we don't know what we, what we don't know. So we, we kind of walk around. I had, this, I had this friend that, like, they didn't realize. They felt horrible. They didn't realize that their son needed glasses. He was, like, probably 13, 14 years old. And they didn't realize it had gotten that bad. They hadn't taken him to the, to the eye doctor or anything. Come to find out, by the time he got checked out, they're like, oh, my goodness, this kid, all he can see is something like this close to, and they're like, well, how long has this just gotten worse? They're like, no, this probably happened for a very long time. And they're like, that's why. They're like, we've been taking this kid to, like, New York City, Boston. We'd be driving, be like, did you check out that skyline? Isn't that beautiful? And he would just be like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> they're like, he could never see anything, right? We, we thought all these years that he was just so disinterested in anything that was like outside of like right in front of his face, and yet he was blind to it and we didn't even know it. Because this reality, sometimes we don't know what we don't know. My sister, when she was seven, we were, um, I was older and wiser, of course, and so I was four years older than her, and we were watching, it was like one morning, and uh, we were watching Thundercats, and she, she, was, she was sitting next to me on the couch, and she says to me, what time is it? I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? She goes, what time is it? So we're like any good 80s family, right? We've got um, a VCR sitting on precariously on top of a TV, so it could fall off at any moment, right? And on it is this green, like glowing, like digital numbers that tell you exactly what time it is. And I said, Bridget, why don't you look right there? It's right like two inches above Thundercats. Do you not see that? She goes, no, I don't see that. Come to find out, no, she would have never known that she was blind with that if it weren't for her older and wiser brother. <laughs> because sometimes we need other people to help point out the fact that we, maybe we're not focusing on the things that we should be focusing on or we're not seeing the things that we should be seeing. And what I just feel like what God is reminding us is that we can sometimes go through our days unmoved by him focusing on, on what may be right in front of us and fail to pause and to look around and to see the move of God that's happening right in our midst. So I want to I give you three things real quick. I'm going to talk about three hindrances to our sight, and then I'm going to give you three things that I see God doing in our midst today. The first hindrance to our sight is this. We call it myopic. It's called nearsightedness. This is when you can only see things that, um, that, that are really close to your eyes. You're nearsighted. You can only see it if it's right here. If it's outside of that, you, it's very blurry or you can't see it at all. This is when we're only able to focus on what is right in front of us and we fail to see what God is doing in the bigger picture around us. We find out that we're nearsighted when we go on a mission trip. You, you ever been on a mission trip? If you've never been on a mission trip, you should get your passport and, and sign up for a mission trip. Because, man, so many times, you know, I, I remember my first mission trip, I was like, I'm going to go, we're going to go to this country that, that, that needs me, and man, I am, we're going we're gonna to preach the word of God, I'm going to help these kids, and we're going to do this thing, and yes, oh my goodness, this is going to be awesome. And then you get there, and you're just like, <laughs> I'm so, I'm so, I'm wretched, right? You know, I mean, you just find yourself like having this breakdown. Why? Because all of a sudden you realize how nearsighted you are that the things that are right in front of your face and the needs that are there are so great. And so we, 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 whenever we go on these missions trips, we all of a sudden are confronted with the reality that that thing that seems so insurmountable, that, that first world problem that is right in front of our face that, my goodness, I don't know how I can ever get past, all of a sudden just pales in comparison to the needs that are right in front of you and all around us every day of our life. It's not just in Mexico and India and Russia. Sometimes it's in downtown Biddeford. It's everywhere you go. The needs are great. 
we, we find that uh, we're nearsighted when we enter into worship. How many of you know, like, if when, when you enter into worship and you're, you're just in this place of, like, all right, I'm going to take this thing that's right in front of my face, I'm going to lay it down to the Lord. All of a sudden, and, and I've talked to people, they're just like, I, I don't understand why I'm having this, this emotional, like, I'm crying and I don't get it. But the reality is, is that when we come into worship, we lay those things down, we come into the presence of someone greater than us. And we're confronted with this reality that I am not the center of the universe. In fact, the things that so consume me fall and, and pale in comparison to the God who created me. When we walk into worship, we realize, my goodness, I'm very nearsighted. I need to be able to focus outside of myself. That, that's one of the hindrances to, to our sight. The second one is farsightedness, right? This is, this is when you're, you're not able to see the things that are up close. You can only see the things that are kind of far away. If it comes in too close, it gets blurry, and you can't really see it. And this goes in two different ways. One way is when all you can see is your past. Like, you disqualify yourself right off the bat from doing anything right now. Why? Because you don't know what I did. Like, you don't understand where I came from. You don't understand what I did last summer. Because if you did, you'd never allow me to be able to, to, be able to walk in, in this blessing, to walk in this gifting that, that, that God is, is putting in front of me. It's why when I talk about, yeah, that there's no kitty table in the kingdom of God, it went silent. Because we've never experienced that. We don't know, even know what to do with that. Why? Because sometimes we can be so consumed and, uh, with what's far away, so consumed with our past that we disqualify ourselves from our present. This, the second way this thing happens when we're, when we're farsighted, this happens to me when, when I'm waiting on a move of God. Man, I just, I want God to move, and, but, but really what I'm saying is I want him to move like he did when I was in ninth grade which is getting further and further away from me as I get older, let me tell you. Like, I want him to move like that, and so I'm waiting for it to look like that, and I'm missing the fact of what God is doing right in front of my face. Why? Because it doesn't look like it looked like yesterday. It doesn't feel like maybe what it looked like yesterday. It's different, and so I'm waiting, and I'm hoping, and I'm striving for that thing that's beyond me, thinking that... that that it's going to look just like that, but it doesn't look like yesterday. And we fail to see what it is that is right in front of our face. The third one is tunnel vision. This is what maybe you get if you're driving. Some of you guys are like, I don't drive after dark, which gets very difficult in Maine because that's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right? You're like, I'm, up. I'm all done. should go to bed now. I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep right now, right? Because the reality is, is because... You, you get this tunnel vision where I, I, I can't really see in periphery. All I can see is the thing that is right in front of me. How does this play out spiritually? Well, because we get this place where, where all we focus on is this one, this one passion, this one program, this one preference, this one goal. And we, we have a very hard time seeing God move outside of If he doesn't move in this, then he's not moving. If he's not fixing this problem, then he's, he's not doing anything, and I don't even know why I'm following it, because this is the only thing that I'm focusing on. And it actually happens many times when we take our preferences and turn them into absolutes. We take the things that, that, are, that are our passions, and we, and, and we start to just kind of put those things up on a pedestal as though only, if only God moves like this, then that's the only way he moves. And maybe you, you've found this where, like, you're, you're in worship, have you ever been so distracted by something? You're in church, right? And this should be, like, you should be worshiping God. And there, you ever been so distracted by something that you can't worship? I know, you're all so holy. So this doesn't apply to anyone in here. There are people, I've heard lore of them, that, like, will go to church and the, the bass will be too loud. Or there'll be some feedback. Or they're not singing my song or it's just a little off, or this person singing off key, and it's my husband, and you know what I mean? It's like, and, or, or you're just in this place where you're like, I, I, I'm so distracted by these things that are around me that I cannot worship. I'm, I'm struggling because this is happening, this, this person's saying this, and the lights are to this, and is, why is it so hot in here? Why is it so cold in here? Why is it so medium in here? Like this reality that if you've ever found yourself that like, there are sometimes things, and I, and I kid, right? I mean, because the reality is we all have a bent, we all have a passion, we all have preferences. 
We all have things that are an interest, or a, uh, we all have life changes, we all have problems in our life. But we can become so intent on focusing in on these one things that we miss what it is that God's doing in our midst. And I'm in no way diminishing your passions. I am in no way diminishing your problem. I am in no way diminishing that thing that, that you just want to see God move in. I'm just saying, sometimes you need to take a step back and take in what it is that God's doing all around you. So three things that I see God doing. First one, I see a full church where signs and wonders overflow. I see it now, and I see it prophetically as we head into this, this new season. I see a church where, where, that is full of testimonies and miracles and changed lives and restored marriages and freedom from addictions. And I just want you to know, God is in the freedom business here. He is moving in lives. I believe that as, as we move into this new year, I just wanted, I'm just, I don't know how he's going to do this. I'm just going to prophetically speak this over us. You know, I was, let me preface this with something. I had the opportunity, the distinct honor of praying with our mayor before Winterfest yesterday. 9 a.m. in the morning, me, a few guys, two guys from our church and a couple other leaders from, from the city got together and we prayed. And, and here was my prayer. Lord, I just thank you for the opportunity that, that a church and, and, and city leaders would trust each other enough to put on something of this caliber, time in and time out, year and year and year again. God, I thank you for the relationship, for the friendships that you've built. Thank you for the trust. I thank you that we have the opportunity to be change agents of hope in our city. But here's the thing. I believe as we head into this new season, I believe that this church is going to be the answer to the problems out there. Look, this is not the time for us to cloister ourselves, put our head in the sand and say, let's just gather together and close the doors. And if we can just kind of keep and, 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 and weather the storm around us, then that's, that's what it is that God's called us to. Listen, God has called us to be free and freedom is expressed through overflow. I dream of the day when, when the opioid crisis going on outside of these walls and inside of these walls where the city says, we don't know what to do, how can you help? I believe that the church is supposed to be the answer to societal problems, not an add-on, not just someone sitting in the wings pointing fingers and saying, wow, they should take care of this. We're supposed to be the ones that come alongside and pour life and hope into people that desperately need it. Because if that's not the gospel, then I don't know what is. If that's not it, then we're way off. If we think coming in and doing church, that's the thing. Come on. I believe that God is, is strategically poisoning, poison, positioning us. Thank you. That was a hard word. Positioning us in a place to be change agents in our community and beyond. So when God starts speaking to you about things, I just want you to be paying attention. When he starts saying, I don't know, I just feel like God's wanting me to do this or do that, I just want you to know um, that, that he's up to something. And there's going to be some, some huge changes and opportunities that are going to arise out of this place in 2020 and beyond. So I'm excited about that. Um, you know what? Because this is what it says in Matthew 16, 20. It says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And this is the key that I love. He says, and the Lord worked with them. The Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. There's this reality that when you go out, when you, when you preach the word of God in truth and in love, that the Lord works with us. How does he work with us? He, he loves his word. And so he accompanies his word with signs and wonders. When we do our job, he works with us to do his job. When we preach the truth, the Lord confirms the word that is preached. So I just want to give you a rundown of some miracle signs and wonders. Since you're like, well, I don't know if we're a church that overflows with signs and wonders. This is just over the past two and a half weeks. Um, let me just give you a list. Ar arthritis in someone's back, healed. Hand tremors, healed. Eye pain, healed. Back, healed. 
plantar fasciitis healed. Family relationship that had been strained for, for years restored. Parkinson's disease healed. That doesn't happen. I just want you to know that. Like, that's an incurable disease that you just don't get over, right? Healed. Like, don't come back anymore. You're not needed to, to come back to, to this office. Healed. People receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior each and every single week here in New Life. Miraculous. I just want you to see, sometimes when maybe God's not doing something in your immediate, in your immediate life, I want you to take a step back and see what he's doing in our midst. I love that new song where he's like, this is a move. I love it. Why? Because, because mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. Wonders are still what he does. So we continue to, to rely on him for signs and wonders to accompany the preaching of his word. So the question, the question that we wrestle with many times is, God, when are you going to, when, when's the renewal company? When, when, what, God, when are you going to, when, when's the revival going to happen? God, I, I just can't wait for that thing to happen. The question should be, Lord, how am I supposed to steward the spark of renewal that is happening in our midst? Because when you take a step back and you realize, we just, we just had someone healed of an incurable disease a couple weeks ago. I should be more excited about that. Like, I, like, 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 if this is true, then God, you're up to something, and I may not see exactly what you're up to, but God, you're doing something that I want to be a part of. How do I steward the spark of God moving in our midst? That's weird. That's awesome. I watched how, how you guys, um, well, so the second one is this. Um, I, I see a growing church that reaches out. I said this earlier. You're weird. You're peculiar. You all amaze me. Um, I don't think you realize how peculiar you are. One of our core values is that we'll do anything short of sin to reach those who don't know Christ. And just yesterday, I, I, I spent most of my morning at, uh, at the, at, down in Adams Street in Biddeford at Biddeford Winterfest, and I watched as dozens of you stood out in the cold to love people you didn't know. I watched you, it almost sounds scriptural, actually. I watched you feed the hungry, give, give drinks to the thirsty, and clothe those who needed clothing. I watched as, as people took off from work this past week to haul in snow to build a sledding hill for kids. That's weird. Who, who, who does that? Peculiar people do that. I watched you shine in our community yesterday and in the lives of people where they didn't hear a sermon, but they saw one. They saw one. I watched you give just this, we, we talked about it this, this morning, over $238,000 to global and local missions last year. I mean, that's, that's crazy. Who, who does that? That's weird. I, I watched how each and every single one of you, and I mean this, make our, our visitors feel like guests every week, whether you've got a badge on or not. Because why? I, I get those emails back from people that, that are first-time visitors, and they're like, I, I just, I felt so welcomed and encouraged and uplifted by you. By you and you and you and you. And maybe you were on as a greeter that week, but, but you spoke to somebody. You encouraged somebody who definitely needed it. And just this past week, we had, what, like 16 adult and kids uh, from, from welcome cards. Just this past week alone. People coming in that God is sending. Um, the third one is this, that I see a family, a church, a family church that has a heart for the house. How do I know this? Because I watch in how you give. Two weeks ago, we had to cancel our first service because of, uh, because of snow. And, um, and, and normally, you know, as a pastor, you're like, oh, man, the, like, the offering's gonna be, gonna be off and all that. I just want you to know, it didn't even skip a beat. Like, that's how weird you are. You're peculiar. That's what I mean. It doesn't even, like, you, you, are, you are peculiar people. The things that are normal, you're not. You're, you're welcome. I mean that as a really great thing. I mean, you're, you're weird in that. I watch how, as a church home, we have people that come in and clean this place, a dedicated group of volunteers who don't just attend church, but own it and have a heart for the house. I see this church as not an organization that you join, but a family where you belong. 
And I pray for each and every single person that walks in through these doors that they feel that as well. Why? Because a family takes ownership. Take ownership of, of, of each other, right? Like, so if, if you mess with my little sister, I'll jack you up. Right? Because why? Because that's what a family does. I mean, I can, I can mess with her, but if you mess with her, I will jack you up, son. Right? That, that's what we do as a family. Right? We, we care for the people and we care for, for God's house. So, here's the thing. And, and I really, I mean, I'm absolutely, as I look through all this, I hope you're encouraged by this. I hope you're encouraged of what it is that God's doing. Amen? All right. Um, now, here's the thing. I, I want to give you guys some, some, uh, some information about about a thing that we've, uh, that we've been working on. I talked about this a couple weeks ago, and I wanted to give you um, a heads up about it, and, and we're going to kind of launch it today. And, this, and I call it kind of heart for the house because um, this is something that, that maybe you've noticed. I hope you, you probably have noticed if you drove in here today that our parking lot is deteriorated. Have you noticed this? Some of you lost a child in there this morning, right? <laughs> Haven't seen them since the parking lot. Um, it, it, it's, got, it's gotten pretty bad. We've got some potholes and all, all, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so you may have noticed that, it, that it's bad. We have patched and repatched and re-repatched and repatched the patch. Um, and uh, a few sections are down to gravel and dirt, actual dirt and then some, maybe even sand at this point. Um, so honestly, I, and, and I mean this truly, 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 um, this is not any uh, manipulation or over-spiritualizing of anything at all. Um, but we need to repave parking lot. It was just a need. I mean, I, I don't think anybody's thinking, I don't know, I think it's just fine. It's just not. It's not fine anymore. We've been saying it's just fine for, for a very long time. Um, and, and, but here's the problem. We don't have enough financial reserve to be able to make it happen because it is a huge parking lot. You may park in one specific part of it, but if you just, just take a little jaunt around this uh, parking lot, uh, be careful. But uh, when you do, um, You'll, you'll see just, just how big the parking lot is. And so here's, here's, the, here's the reality. Just give me five minutes. I, I, I really, I'm, I'm coming to our church family to just put this need before you and let you know that we're going to begin a capital campaign to help take care of, of this house. And, and here's the thing. I'm not really scared, and I'm not really, I, I don't feel like I need to over-spiritualize anything because if we can give $100,000 to put a roof on a church in Nigeria— then we could probably come up with enough money to be able to put a parking lot around our own home church in Biddeford. Right? Not, so, so, uh, so I'm not scared about this, but, um, but anyway, let me, let, let me put this out to you. This is the need that, that we have, and um, it's not only an immediate liability to us um, with, with potholes, but it's an eventual need for a front-end alignment for all of us. And, um, and it's an eyesore and a detraction for our guests and for the members here of New Life. And so the question that you might be wrestling with right now is, well, why didn't we plan for this? Like, it didn't sneak up on us. We know that parking lots have, have lifetimes and that kind of stuff. Um, and I understand that. We've had different, you know, por portions of the parking lot paved at different times because we've had additions and stuff like that. And so um, we've had different portions o o over, over the years, but the reality is that all of our parking lot spaces are pretty much at or beyond their lifetime at this point. And so if you've been a part of New Life, you know that we don't, we don't do giving campaigns. Like I've never done a giving campaign or, or asked for money, that kind of thing. But I want, you, I want to lay it out for you. So here's the thing. We received multiple quotes, and the best quote as far as like scope of work and pricing is, and catch this, is $330,000. Yeah, that's what I said. Good, I, just like that. Um, so let me, give you, let me give you a breakdown here. This includes removing, regrading, repaving of the entire parking lot, and also regrading the ditch that, that goes um, across the, the front of the, of the, uh, the whole parking lot. Um, you may notice it as uh, Lake New Life when you first come across. Nobody? No? Okay. Um, I think it's ice right now, but it, we, that whole drainage area needs to get um, regraded and stuff. Now, we have about 75000 that um, we can tap into for reserve savings, which brings us to a total cost to raise of 255000 Now, you may be thinking, that's a ton of money. That's, that's a lot of money. If it was your personal family budget, yes, that would be a lot of money. But here's the reality. 
when it's spread out across an entire church family, it, it's, mu it's a much more manageable number. So I did some numbers for you to kind of break it down. So with 368 parking spots, that means that each spot is about $700. Now, not, not exactly, but I, I kind of rounded it up to kind of a round number for us, but um, it's about $700 uh, per spot, three, 368 spots. Um, oh, sorry. As, as I'm talking about this, if you can, we've got little informational cards to kind of give you guys a breakdown so that you understand it. If I could have the ushers pass those out. Um, so let me, let me break this down for you. Um, I, I just want to encourage you in this. Um, here's the challenge, and I feel led to put this before you, is that I really want you to pray about this. I, I, I'm not trying to twist your arm or spiritualize this or, um, or anything, but I want you to discuss it. If you've got a spouse, discuss it with your spouse. Um, stretch yourself in giving, just like you would in your own personal finance. Um, and I, and I want to be very clear about something, that the challenge that I'm putting out there to you is, is a sacrificial offering. Like, I want to encourage you to give, but I want to encourage you to give that this would be an over and above what you normally give. This isn't like, okay, I normally give this amount, I'm going to kind of take that and put it now towards the parking lot. Because the reality is, is we've got to continue to do ministry here and keep the lights on and keep moving in the way that we are. So what I'm challenging, I'm challenging you in is a sacrificial offering that is above and beyond um, what, you normally, what you normally give. And so this challenge isn't that everybody would be like, okay, I want you all to give the same amount, because the reality is, is that what, what is a sacrifice for one person isn't a sacrifice for another person, and what isn't a sacrifice for one person is certainly a sacrifice for somebody else. So in no way am I saying like, no, everybody, you know, I'm, I'm encouraging everyone to give the same amount of money. Why? Because it's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. The reality is, is that we're all in very different places of life and finances and, and, and what it is that God might be calling us to. And so I really feel led to do a seven-month campaign, and not just because it's seven from heaven. Like, I, um, I, I, it's not just because I'm like, oh, that's, that sounds like a really great number. I don't want to stretch this thing out for two years. <laughs> Can I get an amen? Can we? I, like, I don't want to be sitting here a year and a half from now and be like, so about that parking lot, we could get five more dollars. That'd be great, right? You know, I mean, like, look, look, I truly believe that God can take care of this. He can work miracles in our midst. And, and our job isn't to come up with 255000 Our job is to hear from God. Okay, God, what do you want me to be, to give as a part of this? So, so do, I, I'm not really scared over that. The only thing that I have to worry about, even in my own life, in my own heart, is, all right, Lord, Lord what are you asking me to give? Like, what is it that you've put on, put on my heart? And so this is kind of the breakdown. Um, some of you are like, you know what, I, I'm gonna, I can pledge a parking spot. That's a $700. That's $100 a month over seven months or $25 a week. Um, some of you are in a different place of finances, and you're like, Man, you know what, like, I could, I could do a parking spot, and then I could actually pave the way for someone. I said it. That was good. Come on, that was a good dad joke. I could pave the way. Thank you. I could pave the way for someone else or someone else, or maybe if you and your wife drive separately to church and it's the only way you have a healthy marriage, then like, <laughs> then you just look and be like, I'll spot you if you spot me. I don't know what that looks like, but here's the thing. And then there's others of you that are like, 700, I can't even pay, I don't even, I can't even pay my, my I don't know what I'm doing for groceries this week, Pastor Justin. I completely understand. I'm not asking for, for you to be like, yeah, I'm going to commit to this because this is what, what, what we're asking for. I'm just saying, would you just pray about what it is that God would say, you know what, this would be a sacrificial pledge that I'm willing to commit to over a seven-month, you know, period to just say, you know what, this is something that I want to, as a part of our house, to, to, to be able to provide for this. Um, and some of you may want nothing to do with a seven-month campaign. You just want to, like, do a one-time gift. You're like, yeah, I don't want to do this whole, like, $25 a month or week or whatever thing. Like, I just... I, I just want to just be able to give that thing, um, and you can just write that down. And so you, you'll kind of see that there's options for, for you to be able to commit to that. Um, and I, I do want to be clear about something. That is this, um, you're not buying a parking spot. You know, but like, like, I just want to be, be very clear, we're not that church, okay? So if you're looking for like, well, I was thinking I'd give you an extra little bit if I could get the gold emblem, you know, on there. Like, 
inlaid into my spot. Like, this is not you blinging out your spot, like bejeweling it, okay? This is not you putting up, like, sashes and stuff like that so you can be like, this is clearly my spot. Paid a little extra for this. Now, here's the, here's the only caveat. If you wanted to write a check for the entire parking lot, I think we could all take a vote to rename it after you. We could be like, this is the Jim Collins Memorial parking lot. And it could be, it could be, I'm just telling you, you could leave it. You could leave it. It would be amazing, right? You could just be like, check out my parking lot. It's all about me, right? I mean, that would be awesome. And I, I'm sure I could get all of you to vote on that. You, we'd all be happy. But apart from that, you're not buying a spot. Think of it like this way. You're actually paving the way for somebody else. So you're not buying your spot. You're actually making a way for a, a, a guest or the person next to you to be able to have a spot as, as, as we desperately need to do something about this parking lot. So here's what I'm asking you as your pastor in conclusion is this. I just want you to pray about it. Whatever it is that God's calling you to, like, I, it, it doesn't have to be anything that we put on here. Like, I just, I just ask the Lord what it is that, that he might be calling you to. Because I know some of you have already talked to, and God's already put it on your heart, an amount of money. I, and, and you've just been waiting for the opportunity to be like, okay, finally, we're talking about the parking lot. Because God's already been telling me, I'm gonna, this is how much I'm supposed to give to this. Some of you are sitting here right now, and, and you're like, you've been praying, you're just praying as I'm talking, and you're like, God's maybe set a number, and you're like, that could be Satan, because that was a little high. <laughs> I'm going to pray about this, right? And he's like, you want to put that sucker away? I, I get you. I get you. I really want you to just pray. I want you to pray about it. I want you to go home, talk to, your, talk to your spouse, really, like, take a look at, like, okay, what is it that the Lord might be calling us to? And now here's the thing. There's a little perforation here, all right? You see that little perforation? You can keep the small part and put, like, your little thing. You can keep it in your Bible wherever you want to. Um, to just as a reminder of, of your pledge. And then this part, you can fill out the, this bigger part and you can drop it. We're going to have over the next three weeks, you see these, these like 3D houses back here? There's a chimney on one of them. You just drop it, just like Santa Claus. You just drop it right down the chimney. Over the next three weeks, you can do it today, tomorrow, next week, three weeks, whatever. Um, at, whenever you just feel like, okay, I just I know what the Lord's calling me to, then you can just drop it in one of those, and we'll kind of keep it before you, let you know where things are going, and all that kind of stuff. But, um, all right, would you stand with me? <laughs> See, that wasn't too, too bad. That wasn't too, too bad. All right, if I could have the praise team come on up. Um, I want to read the scripture to you. I love Moses. He says this, sometimes I feel like him. He says, Moses says to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people. But you've not let me know where you'll send, send, where you will send with me, whom you will send with me. And you, you've said, I know you by name, and you found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And this is what the Lord spoke to Moses. He says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't even send us up from here. So Lord, I pray, as we've been able to take a look at, God, all the awesome things that you're doing, that you did in 2019, that you're doing in our midst just over the past couple weeks, the question isn't, when are you going to move? The question is, how am I going to steward the move that's happening right now? And I love this song because it's not about, Lord, we need a move. We need a move. It's this, I love how it changes midway through the song to saying, this is a move. We're living in a move. And maybe we didn't see it. And maybe we've been proclaiming it. And maybe we've pro prophetically speaking it over us. But the reality is we're living in a move unlike any other. And so God, I just thank you. Help us to see it. Help us to not get nearsighted or farsighted or have tunnel vision, but that we would see clearly what it is that you're about, what it is that you're doing. Because your word says that when we pay attention, when we attend to what you reveal to us, that we will walk in the blessing that you promise. And so I want you to join with me today as we sing this song. We started singing it today. This is a move. May it be, may it be a reminder to you that mountains are still being moved. Parking lots are still being paved. The dead are still being raised. 
and wonders are still what he does. And so, God, this is nothing to you. Jesus, we, we just, we're here for you. We're not here for us. We're not here to build a kingdom of our own. We're here to build your kingdom. And so, God, it's all yours, all of it, every single part of it. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with everything that's within us. And so we lift you up. We lift you up. May you be glorified in our praise today.